0: Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Simon Short Podcast. Uh, thank you all for being here again this week. This week, Ben Parker and I are discussing a lot of teams in the NFC East. Um, but before we get to that, I do, of course, need to start this podcast with um, just an update on everything happening with Bill Safety, Damar Hamlin. Um, I definitely had a lot of questions about if I wanted to do this pod or not this week. Um, ultimately the, the good news of the Mars health progressing, uh, here today, which is Wednesday, January 4th, um, getting a lot of positive news from the Mars friends and family, um, uh, did, did make me feel a, a little bit more okay with doing this, but really what I've found since, since doing this podcast through a lot of, a, a lot of traumas, this, this over the course of this last year, over the course of 2022 year into 2023 is, just the ability to find some joy even for a brief moment um the the nfl and and football is such a such a scary sport Yeah, let alone you know zooming out into to life and everything and you know you you have to be able to find the little choice when you can so that's what this podcast is about get away for about an hour um, think about, you know, the, the the good parts of football, the parts we do enjoy, but never forgetting in all this time to keep keep your thoughts and your prayers if you if you do that uh, for Damar and his family. Um, again, we're very happy to hear that, you know, things are progressing and, and he is doing better, um, but obviously still a, a critical point in his recovery. And, and we just hope that everything's going to work out OK and he's going to be um, he's going to be OK and be able to live a, a full and healthy life. So. That's our number one concern. I, I don't record this podcast lightly. Ben doesn't either. Um, just know that the, this is still very much within within our thoughts, and, and it's at the top of mind throughout this entire podcast. Um, so everybody, if you could, please just just keep Damar in your thoughts. And, and again, if, if now is not the right time for you to be thinking about, you know, football and games and matchups, totally understand that. Um, it, it is, you know – It's never. It's not the perfect time. There, there is a world where you would like to say, you know, this is done. We're we're done with football. Um, this was too scary. This was too real. We we can't keep doing this. Um, and if you're that person, I get that too, man. I really, really do. You you watch the sport and you just wonder sometimes why why we do it. And so I I totally understand anybody's feelings on how to handle this situation, how you want to do it for you personally. Ben and I decided to do this podcast again because it, it, it does seem like things are trending in a positive direction, but obviously all the, all the support and thoughts. And again, prayers, if you do that um, are still needed at this point. So um, just wanted to say that uh, we, we are hoping and, and um, just really supporting Damar here at the Simon Tour podcast and Phantom Sports and, you know, just everyone. So uh, thank you all so much for being here. I hope this uh, helps you out a little bit this week. Um, so let's get to our conversation with Ben. welcome to the simon short podcast i am simon short we are bringing back a near and dear friend of the pod co-host of the phantom football podcast co-host of odds on favorite it's benjamin parker ben what is up simon
1: i am tickled to be on man i know you kind of have a different audience than what we have on some of our other podcasts so hello to everybody and thanks for letting me come back on again
0: dude absolutely and yeah let's take a moment here actually Uh, here's here's our first detour of the night already um if you if you listen to this podcast and you listen weekly or you pop in and out you only listen to the football stuff whatever it is let's just do a quick plug for for mine and ben's other project the phantom football podcast comes out every tuesday morning uh as of right now we'll see in the off season if that changes a little bit but every tuesday morning after Monday Night Football, after the slate of games in the NFL over the weekend. And, and we deep dive into a lot of the games, all of the news, all of the injuries, analysis there is to be had. Uh, the Phantom Football Podcast, be sure to check that out. And, and then if you really like when Ben comes on this pod, you go check out the Phantom Football Podcast for me and Ben. And you're like, man, I need more Ben. Go to Odds On Favorite, where he's the co-host with our other pal of the pod, Robertson Byer. And they preview the week's upcoming games. They look at the lines. They look at over under. So a little bit of betting, a little bit of preview, a little bit of recap as well. If you just need more football and you need more Ben Parker in your life, odds-on favorite. Go and check that out. Wednesdays, right, Ben? That's the that's when it comes out?
1: Yeah, I think it comes out Wednesday mornings when Robertson gets it out and because uh, we do it Tuesday night, yes.
0: And if you're like me and you have a hard time remembering what day things come out, Just subscribe, just follow it, just save it to your your podcast, whatever you use, Spotify, Apple, whatever. That's what I do, and I just wake up in the morning, and it's there one day, and it's great. I don't ever know what day it is, but I have a good time with it. So uh, there's a quick little plug. Ben, anything you want to say about those two podcasts? Anything you want to say about why people should go listen to those?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll just talk about odds on favor for just a second real quick. Um, We try to keep that one moving fast. Uh, but if you're, if you're the kind of person who just wants your predictions, you know, the against the spread type stuff, fast forward to about midway through the program and we'll have it for you in about 20, 25 minutes. We'll work our way right through about seven, eight games every week. So that's the best way to listen to it. That's, that's what you're into.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It's a great, it's great stuff. I love listening to it every week and then immediately, uh, slacking you and Robertson with everything I disagree on. So it's a great time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's dig into this week's episode of the Simon Short Podcast because this is not Odds on Favorite or the Phantom Football Podcast, uh, but we are continuing our series of a playoff preview slash who's a real Super Bowl contender. Um, and, and I've saved this this uh, episode for basically the end of this series and because I wanted to see how many teams were still in it at this point. And we're just going to talk about all of them. It's the NFC East. We have uh, two teams that I think you can call at least soft Super Bowl contenders. They're kind of in or around the circle. You've got one team that, uh, in addition to those two, that is already in the playoffs <clears> that has <throat> cemented their their seating and their place in the playoffs with one week to go. And you've got another team that just this past week just got eliminated. So it was in it all the way to the end. So we're going to hit all four of these teams in some form or fashion. Uh, you'll hear a little bit uh, with with the, the two real contending teams, uh, a, a lot of similarities to what we've been doing on the pod the last couple of weeks. But we're going to touch on the Commanders and Giants as well here at the top, just for a little, little touch of flavor as we end this series. But let's start with the Commanders, Ben. It's a team that is near and dear to our hearts for for many reasons. I have many Commander fans in my life, including your co-host and our friend Robertson Vire. And I'm very hard on this team all the time because they disappoint the people I care about. And I don't like that. I don't like when you do that to me and to my people. So the commanders, we're just going to touch on a little bit, this end of season collapse that the commanders have suffered. Oh, three and one in their last four games. Oh, one and one in those key giant matchups, key matchups with the giants, I should say, uh, where Washington had a bye week in between and the giants had to go play the Eagles. Bench Heineke going into week 17 for Wentz, who's now two and five on the season and was 16 of 28 for 143 yards, three interceptions, and took three sacks in that game against the Browns last week. And then the cherry on top in the press conference after the game, we talked about this Saturday night. In the press conference after the game, asked by a media member uh, was Ram Rivera the question. Hey, depending on, you know, what happens with this Packers game this afternoon, um knowing you guys could be eliminated if that were to be the case, do you think Sam Howell will get a run at quarterback? And that was followed by a 5 to 10 second delay where Rivera had to really think about what this person was asking and the only thing he could come up with was to say we can be eliminated. And that's just that's just yeah, as I said the cherry on top. Um Ben, you have covered this team a lot. This season, working with Robertson and doing a lot of stuff on odds on favorites, of course, their run was fantastic to watch in the middle of the season. What did you think about this collapse of the Commanders, uh, the mention of Heineke and, and the Rivera game press conference?
1: Good gosh. I, we're we're going to spend about four minutes on the Commanders, but we could talk on them for two hours just on what you just laid out. There's so much there to unwrap. But I'll, I'll start with this, the collapse itself, right? They were doing so well. Look like they had the benefit of getting the edge, getting into the playoffs. And now the last four games completely fall apart. But this is what stands out to me. It's those two games against the Giants. I am convinced they've got the better roster. They have a better roster than the Giants at this point. They had it at the start of the season. The Giants have had more injuries to deal with. That spread has only widened. Uh, They should have won at least one of those games. You can make the argument that Talent-wise, they should have won both of those games. The Giants really were kind of reeling a couple of three weeks ago until they met, met Washington. So those two Giants games is going to halt Commander's fans until something good happens next year, right? And it's going to haunt Ron Rivera too. Uh, so that really stands out to me. They should have won really both of those games. They instead tie and they lose the other one. You can understand the 49ers' loss. And then after that, I think the wagon wheels are just falling apart, and you have the ugly Browns game with the quarterback switch. So uh, I'll stop right there, but that's what really stands out to me. Those two Giants games are just going to stand out for a very long time for Commanders fans. It's, re-
0: it, it's really such a missed opportunity um, when when you really kind of look at the whole thing. yeah, Like you said, they were sitting so pretty in the midst of that Taylor Heineke run, they beat the Eagles. It feels like the, was it the 2019 team that won the division with a seven win season and and almost upset the bucks in in the first round of the playoffs. Um, And it just, it felt like, it felt like that season was back. Right. And that was not to be the case the the big turning point, obviously when, when you go from Heineke to Wentz, you think when you have the backup quarterback in, you're going to get a little bit more ball security, especially when you go from Wentz to anybody, you think you're going to get ball, more ball security. Uh, but the team had uh, multiple turnovers uh, in the the last couple of games there with Heineke, including him fumbling the ball. We saw it in that, I think it was the second giants game where he had two costly fumbles, one, one for a a, a fumble six to cave Thibodeau. And then another that erased a, a field goal at minimum opportunity late in the game. Um, and then he had the one interception and I think one fumble against the 49ers as well. And, and that was his last start. Um, with the move, well, this, this will be the last thing we, we spent on the commanders and and we'll do a lot of off season talk on, on Phantom football podcast, but with the, with the Ron Rivera interview with the benching of Wentz to Heineke and considering the potential and probable sale of the team, Where are you at on on Rivera? How how does he stand for you in terms of the commanders?
1: Honestly, not much changes because my, my overarching feeling on Rivera goes all the way back to my days at Carolina, honestly. He's a very capable, solid coach who his players love. They really respond to him. And yet you can see his limitations, I think. I'll say that respectfully. But you can see his limitations in terms of the offensive struggles that his teams have often had. Often you'll see from early season to late season, you'll see two two drastically different performances from his teams. And then from one year to the next, you'll see ups and downs that are not always associated with other franchises and other coaches. And and then you see the offensive limitations a lot of times of his team. So I I put him in the middle somewhere. He's a very capable, solid coach that uh, honestly – I, I wonder if he had a little bit better quarterback the past couple of years, would you get a better performance? But there's a lot of coaches that you can say that about too. So at some point you you have to step it up and find a way to win. They were right there. They're knocking on the door. So for anybody who's like, hey, Rivera had his chance and now it's time to give somebody else a chance, I, I totally understand it for all the reasons you just listed. That late season swoon, the quarterback switching, that you know and I get it. I'm a little sympathetic to somebody who loses focus because you're so locked into something, you you kind of forget some other details. But when you're in a when you're in a public spot like, like that, you you need to find a way to roll that off a little bit better than uh, than oh we can be eliminated and then have to reel that back a day or two later, right? You got to find a better way to spin that off. So um, he's a solid coach. If they keep him for another year, give him another chance with another quarterback, perhaps I, I'm no, I'm okay with that. If they say hey Time to give somebody else a chance. I I totally understand anybody who's
0: in that spot as well. Yeah the the decision on what to do. I had a good conversation with with an old buddy Pat Sharp on Twitter, who is a Commanders fan as well. And I've gone back and forth on this whole thing with Rivera, and, and it has to and and everything you said is exactly right. Like good solid coach, good defensive uh, identity, great culture setter. Everyone loves him. And he's the perfect guy for, you're about to sell the team. The team is under a a lot of fire. You need someone to believe in. He's a perfect guy to have in that role. And and that's where I've been this whole time. When Even when the selling of the team was beginning, I was thinking, they're not going to change everything. They can't, right? They're going to have to keep this guy along for this transition, maybe an eventual transition to out of, you know literally there's the city they're in right Uh, if they were to move stadiums to either maryland or virginia or something and there's just so much change that this could be this needs to be the constant at least for a year or two but after that interview man i was just sitting here thinking if i was one of the irrational billionaires in the world and i was thinking i'm gonna buy this team why wouldn't you just want a clean house at this point, right? You just say all new coaching staff, new quarterback, new GM. In in two years, we're going to relocate. I'm the owner. Here here we go. Lay lay my cards on the table. Unfortunately, I think the most aggressive people in the ownership territory that would have done something like that just got the Broncos last year and they, they made that move with Russell Wilson. So I think the, the next group that probably comes in, is probably just going to be happy to be involved in the NFL. They probably don't know much of what's going on. They'll shake hands with Ron Rivera. They'll look him in the eye and they'll say, that's our coach. We like that guy. And it'll, it'll take a while before any moves are made. To your point about the interview, the last thing I'll say about the interview, and, and then I'll toss it back to you if you have anything else on Washington. I, I liken it to Mike Tomlin, who is a very, is very similar in a lot of ways. Defensive identity, culture setter, who you want as the figurehead of the team. Uh, I think he's a, the, a, a better coach but that's you know still the the basis of the identity is, is the same very old school mentality right Ron Rivera and Mike Tomlin are not sitting in their office crunching the numbers they're not on ESPN's playoff predictor figuring out who's going to be what right and, and if they have their assistant or some stats guy or some intern hand them the piece of paper and say hey here are the scenarios they're not looking at it for more than two seconds Right. But Mike Tomlin knows the scenarios for getting into the playoffs. He doesn't not know the scenario. What he but he doesn't care. What he would have said is we worry about ourselves. We we worry about what's in our building, what's on our team. We don't we don't care about any outside factors. We don't let any outside factors make decisions for us. That's what he would have said. And that would have been an acceptable answer. You might have disagreed, but at least you're like, okay, that jives with what I know about Ron Rivera. But man, to not know, <laughs> to not know, and not not be able to think on your feet quickly enough to cover up the fact that you didn't know when you're an NFL head coach, who should be able to think on his feet pretty well, right, in, in all kind of scenarios, is tough. Anything else on Washington and, and Ron Rivera for you?
1: Yeah, you're you're right on Rivera. I, to not know is bad enough, but then to to make it so obvious. You, you mentioned that, not being able to think on your feet quick enough that you can't cover that up is, is, is not a good look, especially in, a, in such an obvious key public role. I, I will say this for, for, for the commanders, and also I would say it for several teams. My number one concern at this point is not the head coach, it's the quarterback. Yep. I, I, I didn't mind anybody who wanted to go with Wentz at the start of the season. You go with what you got. He had a higher ceiling. It didn't work out. I hated the fact that they went back to Wentz late in the season. Uh, it, it seemed fairly obvious that the players in the in the room in, in, the, in the team preferred Heineke and that the fans did, too, even though maybe he can't do quite as many things. It seemed like the emotion was behind Heineke. I didn't see any reason to make the switch at all. I know he hadn't been playing great, but Heineke's going to have his ups and downs. That's just the nature of Heineke. Uh, I thought you should ride that wave all the way to the end of the regular season. But the biggest concern is quarterback. You don't have an uber-talented quarterback on the roster. You haven't for a while. That's really the problem to fix first. Uh, Decide what you want to do at coach, but the quarterback problem for me is much bigger at this point.
0: Definitely agree there. Definitely agree. Let's move on to a happier story, a team that is making the playoffs. It's the New York football giants, a team that punched above their weight talent wise all season, even more so as more and more players got injured and more injured and, and injured again. I mean, we're talking about a team with a defensive backfield that was made up of like, bottom of the league cast offs. We're talking Foster Moreau, who Falcons fans were so excited to get rid of in Atlanta. And he was all of a sudden corner one in New York. And then he got hurt and it felt like the world was going to end. Right. And, And just number of guys like that, the team started six and one. They hit a little skid in the middle of the season. They went two and two going into that Washington stretch of games. Then they went two two and one in their last five and sealed a playoff spot. Brian Dable, the head coach, probably the front runner and, and most likely winner of coach of the year this season. At this point uh, he coached his team up from start to finish uh, in particular, Daniel Jones, who had a career low 11 combined interceptions and fumbles despite playing the most games of his career. Uh, he also had more rushing touchdowns seven than he did in his previous three seasons combined five. Uh, so we saw day ball. Everybody talked about what he did with Josh Allen. Nobody in their right mind thought that, Daniel Jones was going to become Josh Allen, but we've seen a Josh Allen-like resurgence in terms of how big of a swing, how big of a turnaround we've gotten from Daniel Jones. Uh, What have you thought about the Giants season this year?
1: You said it in a nutshell perfectly. They have hit above their weight class all year. There's not a better way to say it. I almost feel like we should just stop it right there because they have. This roster should not be in the playoffs. There's no chance. Uh, you, you look at it unit by unit, player by player. This unit, this team should not be in the playoffs, but here they are. Brian Dable has done an amazing job, uh, fantastic job. He and the whole staff, but Dable's the Dable's the guy, and he should get all the credit for this. Uh, the players have worked hard; they've bought in. Credit to them, but they there aren't many coaches who I think could walk in with this roster and do what he's done. Uh, hats off to him. And you mentioned it; they were fading. They lost to the Lions late in the year. They lost to the Cowboys. They had that tie to the Commanders and they got ripped by the Eagles. They were fading. Uh, they looked like they were just tired. They looked like they were on their last legs. They looked like they were on the ropes, ready for a knockout punch. And then, boom, you know, they beat the Commanders. Tight game against the Vikings. And then they turned back around and just destroyed the Colts. So, they have rescued their season. Really, the tie rescued their season. To be honest, they've done so much good work early in the year. The tie is what rescued it. But then they've come back with two wins in the last three weeks. So, love, love, love what the Giants have done. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that roster at the moment. There's got they got a few pieces. That's about it. But love what Brian Dable has done. Huge fan.
0: Let's talk about those pieces real quick before we move on here. And in particular offensively with their two big free agents, quarterback, Daniel Jones and running back Saquon Barkley. I didn't prep you for this part. I'm pulling a U you over here. I heard something on a podcast today where there are apparently some rumblings that the giants are currently interested in bringing both players back now. Mm-hmm. Is this a little bit of playing the media, right? Where it's, oh, they wanted to bring them back. And if Jones and Barkley walk, then it's not on the Giants. Is it, oh, obviously they're interested, but they're quote unquote interested if both players play at like five to $10 million a year apiece kind of thing. um, Which, you know, then are you really that interested? You could go down a rabbit hole with this, but both guys have had fantastic seasons, Saquon, best season since his rookie year, right, since he started dealing with some injuries. We already mentioned Daniel Jones and the improvement he's had. What do you think about those two guys and if this team should bring those guys back?
1: We could talk all night about this, and and, and all, anybody we've talked to about this would have a slightly different position on both guys, right? I'll start with Daniel Jones. He's always had some potential to make plays. That's kind of his style. He's a playmaker. Not a huge arm, but he can get the ball far enough downfield where he can, you know, defenses can't just collapse and sit on the 10-yard routes. And then even though he can't do what Lamar Jackson does, he can move around enough to grab you some first downs and and wiggle his way out of trouble. So that's got some value. I don't see Daniel Jones as being a legit franchise guy personally. That's just where I sit. I, I, I throw him in a bucket with several other playmaker type of guys in the league who probably aren't going to carry a roster very far. Um, in fact, when you get up there in the, in, the, in the playoffs with some of the big, bad dudes up there, uh, he may even limit the team some is where I sit on it. So, you know, my, and my question would then be, you know, if, you, if you're struggling to win with him on a rookie contract, um, all of a sudden, if he's making 10, 15, 20, $25 million a year, whatever the number turns out to be, you've made it quite a bit harder on yourself And I think Dayball would do better would be better served to grab a rookie out of the draft. There's two or three out there um, that that he could work with. Maybe he's got to trade up for one. Don't know if he'd want to do that or not. But there's two or three in the draft that he could work with, do some of the same uh, type of uh, coaching up that he did with Daniel Jones, and I think save the money. That's what I would do. I'm not trying to hate on Daniel Jones. I think he gives you a chance in every game. Um, But that's where I'm at on Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley. I'm okay if they want to pay him, but just understand there's a very good chance. We talked about this with uh, Teron Armstead, uh, the Dolphins. There's a very good chance he's just going to miss half the season or one of the whole next two seasons. That's just part of the deal with him. Uh, he, When he's healthy, he is amazing, but he's not going to be healthy for all the next two or three years. You're, you're just going to have to understand if you do sign him, and I, you know, maybe five, five mil a year, I don't know, whatever that number is, um, just know that he's not going to be available for all the games, it, it's part of the package, and you better have some backup plans there at running back.
0: Yeah, the uh running back is so so tough, you you almost never, you almost just never want to pay running backs. But if you if you have a top five guy, a top 10 guy, you you almost do have to. And, and I think now in 2020, wow, 2023 it's it's maybe even more apparent that you should when you have one of those top guys because we've seen this year the running game is so much more important to offenses now. And we'll talk about that with the, the next two teams we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But being able to run the ball now because from 2016 on, 2017 on, defenses were retraining themselves, how to stop deep passes and how to stop high volume passing attacks that now we've seen the run game come back into vogue. So now it's like, now, can you just grab that seventh round running back and, and be satisfied? Maybe, maybe not. You got to still, you got to still hit. So, if you have a Saquon Barkley who we saw for two thirds of the season, three fourths of the season, be a top five running back in the league, you're like, dang, I want to keep that guy. But that other quarter, that other third of the season, when he was dealing with a shoulder injury, he kind of disappeared. And are you, are you willing to? pay for that position when let's even take saquon out of it because he's had different kinds of injuries between the last couple years and this year but just the running back position who the end of their play the end of the time they have the ball or are even attempted to get the ball almost ends every time with getting hit right they get they get a handoff they get hit unless they're running in for a touchdown and even then 50 50 they're gonna get hit anyways Whereas a wide receiver can go out of bounds, or it's an incomplete pass, or it's a long runaway touchdown. Quarterbacks get rid of the ball. Just the nature of the position. Do you want to do that? And like Alvin Kamara, for example, his new deal hasn't even set in yet. It sets in next year. He's on a three-year, like $40 million deal, something like that. And he's already 27 and he's starting to fade a little bit. So it it's tough, man. It's tricky, but but Saquon. Is an enticing. If you're going to do it, if you're a team that philosophically is going to say we're willing to pay a running back, I think Saquon is a guy. Daniel Jones. I'm with you. You, if Dayball could get this out of Jones, he could probably get seventy percent of it from a even a second round rookie or second round talent rookie, and you know, let alone paying way less for it using that money on some wide receivers which this team really needs um go get a guy I've, who's at the quarterback out of florida who's supposed to be the big major project right can you go yeah, him, Richardson, get him with, yes. yeah can you go get him with the 22nd pick whatever it is and let him sit a year because i think tyrod is on under contract still for next year they gave him a big signing bonus um sit him behind tyrod for a season and let Dayball work his magic like while I think Daniel Jones has earned a contract and a chance at a starting job again, if you have to pay him more than twenty mil and you or on a short-term deal, or pay him you know a little less than that on a long-term deal because someone else is willing to give it to him, then yeah, you you kind of have to walk away. But the market and the value for quarter a starting quarterback, I mean, twenty mil is cheap, so. Can you even feel like you can afford that for what Jones gives you versus another team?
1: Yeah. And for me personally, again, the answer is different for each of us. For me, I, I, I'm perfect. I'm not so attached to either of these players that I can't watch them walk away. I'm totally content to make them some kind of an offer. People can call it a low ball if they want, but I'll, I'll set my lines and if they get her, if they're getting better offers from other teams, I'm I'm happy to part ways. Daniel Jones really did not show much for this year, before Dable showed up. And, and I think Dable can get that out of another quarterback. And Jones has been somewhat injury-prone, so I don't really feel happy about signing him to a long-term deal. Uh, we know about Saquon Barkley being injury-prone, even though the talent's there. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I'd much rather pay a rookie, you know, $3, $4, $5 million a season at either spot <laughs> Much more overpaying a quarterback fifteen to twenty million dollars a season. That there's just I'm just not going to do that honestly at, at the quarterback spot with with these considerations here.
0: And because we're we're draft nerds, I'll just throw out uh the the Texas running back. I haven't gotten behind behind Robinson. Yes, some some something along those lines. I, think I haven't done all,
1: Robinson, but yeah,
0: I haven't done all my stuff yet. And, and I really don't even look at running backs in the draft. But he's a guy that every list I look at. It's like top five talent, top five talent, running back and going top five anymore, man. It's not Saquon's draft anymore, but is that your end of the first round pick? And then you throw a second round quarterback in there, you pay some wide receivers. You could have something. Um, Looking ahead a little bit, this team is locked into the sixth seed. I'm pretty sure I don't think any chicanery can happen to move them around. Um, So they're probably either playing the 49ers or the Vikings in the first round. Any chance at some noise? uh for the Giants in the first round of playoffs with those two teams
1: for me personally against the 49ers I just don't see it uh the 49ers have have a defense that will choke off a lot of good offenses and the Giants are not a good offense they're not horrible they, they found a way to score points but I think the Giants would just choke off I think the 49ers would choke off that Giants offense and and I think the 49ers could run the football on the Giants who have struggled to stop the run all year so I I don't really see any chance there against the 49ers. (laughs) I do see a chance against Minnesota. Um, I think we're all uh, fading Minnesota to this point. Uh, I think it would be a great game. I think Giants-Vikings would be a very close game. No matter where it was played at, it would be played in Minnesota, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Dayball would have a plan to try to slow down that Vikings attack. And I'm sure he feels like he can score off that Vikings defense. So I think that would be a very fun, close matchup for sure.
0: It would be, and not that I don't want to say the Vikings aren't well coached because I do like a lot of what O'Connell has done there, but it would be the ultimate like all talent and, and a, a certainly a lack of discipline, right? In the Vikings versus all discipline and lack of talent with the Giants because the Vikings do just tend to get themselves in these giant holes, and they either, you know, two weeks ago when, well, three weeks ago when they dug out of it against the Colts. That was great. And then last week uh, against the Packers, they just like floundered and and nothing happened after that. And then what was the game in between? Oh, it was the Giants game. Yeah, it was the Giants game. Uh, Oh no, not that one. Anyways, whatever one, there was another one in the season where they dug themselves into a further hole. They got down, in silly ways and they just made it worse and worse and worse and, and did not climb out of it. So, um, we know that can happen at any point with them. It could be a close game. It could go into overtime. It could be 50 to 14, either team wins. Nothing would shock me in that matchup. It would certainly be a lot of fun, I think.
1: And another point to bring up, we didn't get to cover on our podcast Monday night, unfortunately, because of not only your sickness, but the unfortunate events in, uh, in Cincinnati. Um, but the, the Vikings uh, starting center, who's really their backup center, I think is out for the year. And then their right tackle, O'Neill is out for the season as well. So uh, what was really the strength of the team, not the offensive line necessarily, but the offense uh, is now in question as well because now all of a sudden you wouldn't figure that uh, that uh, Kirk Cousins is going to have as much time to get the ball down there to Jefferson, which has been you know, money for them all year. It's the only reason, not the only reason, it's the big reason, that they have a winning record this year at all.
0: All right. First off, shout out to zoom and shout out to my cheapness for this 40 minute timer, because Ben and I almost just went on a Minnesota Vikings third string center and backup right tackle tangent, which would have taken like 20 extra minutes. So uh, uh, just shout out to the people over at zoom for uh, making sure I'm too broke to, pay for the extended edition and keeping us off the minnesota vikings who snuck into this nfc east conversation uh ben you ready to talk cowboys
1: yes i a matter of fact I, you mentioned the vikings weren't even part of this conversation except for the, the potential playoff matchup i even forgot we were talking about the east we got the, derailed by the vikings in their offensive
0: line the vikings just just throwing a wrench into everything shout out to Josh Lemassand, if he's listening for, for the Vikings talk. Um, Dallas Cowboys, kind of, sort of on the inner outer circle of Super Bowl contention. We'll determine that here, I guess. Um, season so far 12 and four with key wins against the Eagles, Giants, and Vikings, and Bengals, and key losses to the Eagles, Packers, and Jaguars. Team went four and one with Cooper Rush and survived the Dak injury since Dak came back. They're eight and two. They have one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, Defensively, they started out as one of the top in the NFL, but have sputtered due to injuries, primarily in their defensive backfield and linebacker, Lane Van der Esch. Uh, They still have a great pass rush uh, with Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, of course, but they are vulnerable just about everywhere else. Ben, where do you see this Cowboys team as of right now?
1: I think they're about half a playoff. Uh, sorry, half a Super Bowl contender is about where I put them, and I'm not trying to shade them. This is, this has been their best chance in a while. I mean, yeah. we've watched them just smoke a couple of teams, and that pass rush is vicious. If, if they can get a lead, a double digit lead, and that's not easy to do, but if they can get there, they've got a good offense. If they can get that, then those pass rushers, those edge rushers, can just pin their ears back and get after the opposing quarterback and. And they can not only win the game, they can win it by 30 or 40 points. It's it's a very uniquely built team. Um, I like their chances to to get in there and do some damage. I'm not going to pick them to win, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went all the way. They've, they've got that capability within them.
0: Absolutely. The, the most important things that a team can do they do well, right? They they have defensive backs who aren't the greatest from down to down, but can create turnovers. Uh, they're they're currently first in the NFL in turnover d- differential. I think they're like second in, in total interceptions. Um, some, something along those lines. They have a, a run attack that complements a, a top ten type quarterback who can can lead any kind of drive at any time, whatever you need. Um, they have an elite wide receiver. They have elite pass rushers. They have a great offensive line. Here's you know, offensive line tangent, possibly again for us. Um, they have all the best things that you need and, and the things that are their deficits, the right teams can pick apart, right? So so the right teams can attack their, their second and third corners. The right teams can attack running up the middle against them, but not every team can. Uh, and we'll talk about some of those playoff matchups in a little bit. But I think just like you said, this team is certainly there. They're certainly capable. They're not really They're Maybe they're on the outside of the circle looking in right They're If you were to draw a circle with like a big expo marker on a whiteboard, they're on the line of the circle. They're not outside. They're not inside, but they're, they're right there. They can make it happen. Let's talk about some of their strengths and weaknesses. Some of their positives. They're eighth in yards per game. They're seventh in rushing yards per game. They're second in points per game. They're ninth in passing yards per game allowed. They're sixth in uh point passing no points per game allowed. Sorry, I can't read my own uh, uh writing there. Uh fourth in DVOA. Second in defensive DVOA. Eighth in rush defense DVOA. Third in uh defensive pass pass defense DVOA. Fifth in uh run defense DVOA DVOA. So. Advanced stats, defensively, love them. Traditional stats, offensively, love them. Um there, There's a couple things kind of in and out there. Uh, one thing on the negative side for them, they're 22nd in rushing yards per game allowed. So we talked about running up the middle. They can allow a high total rushing attack against them, right? So you can get yards on them. But the advanced stats suggest, you know, it's not always in key situations, right? Uh, a lot of times that discrepancy between you allow, to, allow a lot of yards, but the advanced stats like your rush defense means that you don't give up, you know, maybe, maybe it's the short yardage situations. You do pretty well. You could stack the box. Well, maybe it's goal line situations. You you keep seven points off the board and, and you give up three points instead, stuff like that. Um, in terms of this, this offense being really strong and, and, you know, maybe run defense on the surface doesn't look great, but advanced stats seem to like it. What, what do you think about that?
1: Football's a weird game because it's so situational. And there's a million different situations that come up. And the Cowboys, we just mentioned, it, are so unique with the way they're built and the way they can win 40-3 to three one week and lose the next week. It's, it's an odd thing. I thought the weaknesses, even before the injuries, the weaknesses of their defense, I thought, I thought teams were going to figure that out in the second half of the year because they always do. Whatever weaknesses you've shown in the first eight weeks, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators are going to pick it apart. They're going to pick it to death like a chicken uh, in the second half of the season and in the playoffs. They, they will, they will rip it to shreds. And while the Cowboys can, if they need to hold up against the run at times, it is not a strong suit for them. It is a kind of a soft area. Um, And the secondary, you mentioned it, they can get some turnovers, especially especially when they got a lead and the edge rushers got their game on, now the cornerbacks know we can ball hawk back here. We can do some major ball hawking back here and, and you know, just wipe you out very quickly. But in a close, tight game, I'm not sure that this defense is going to do as well. When you're going up against the 49ers, I, well, I, and I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not still thunder here. Let me stay off that 49ers matchup here because I know that's where you're going in a minute. But in a close game with a good team, the, I don't think they're going to hold up very well against the run. And I also don't think they're going to hold up very well against the the pass when those edge rushers have to keep the running game in mind. Uh, So that's a problem. They're not horrible against the run. They're not horrible against the pass. They're decent. But those are soft spots, and and those soft spots aren't going to disappear.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point in in factoring in what it's going to be like when they do have to face those elite, elite teams because, you know, they – Let's let's pull this up real quick. I want to find their full schedule again because I don't have all that memorized here. But let's see who have they played this year. So Titans, I'm I'm working backwards here. Titans, Eagles, Jaguars, Texans, Colts, and of course that Eagles game was sans Jalen Hurts of course. Giants, Vikings in week 11, Packers, Bears, Lions, Eagles in week 6, Rams, Commanders, Giants. Bengals all the way back in week two and they weren't really together yet so you're really only talking about like two complete offenses that they've really faced at, at their strong points this year the Vikings back in week 11 now of course they stopped the Vikings 40 to3 in that one so uh, uh Cowboys fans can say well you know we we did pretty good in those games Eagles game they'll they have 26 points that's not the worst that you could do um but again all their guys were healthy in those points so now, uh, excuse me, their team is also a bit banged up and they haven't been tested a whole lot this year. And and a team we'll talk about uh, that that they haven't faced yet is the 49ers, who are definitely streaking. One stat that I did find interesting in, in all of this. So I, I mentioned a lot of top 10 finishes in the offensive stats, right? Yards per game, running yards per game, total uh, points per game, uh, all of that they're only 14th in offensive DVOA, they're only 14th in rushing yards per game, uh and they're only 13th in the passing DVOA offensively. So DVOA even though they have um what did I say? Uh let's see, pretty high, I think top 5 tops. Well, uh they were they're 4th in total DVOA, but they're only 14th in offensive DVOA. So why doesn't DVOA, why don't the advanced stats love their offense right even though traditionally speaking all the yards and everything and the points and the graphics that you see when they play on prime time where it's like oh top 10 offense and stack prescott has been back and it's because of the turnovers that this team has primarily the interceptions um uh, the advanced stats are really big on turnovers it gives you a huge boost from a defensive focus gives you a huge negative from an offensive focus um the Cowboys are second in the NFL in interceptions thrown this season. That's 17. I think a handful were Cooper Rush, but we've seen a lot of Dak Prescott interceptions this season as well. Um, and that is holding them back on, on the advanced stats. And if you are going to play a team like the 49ers, like the Eagles, who are uh, very good defensive teams, um, that could also potentially be a problem now Dallas has survived this, like we said, they're they're number one in the league in turnover differential. So so even though they're second in the NFL in interceptions thrown, they still lead the league in turnover differential. So their defense is creating just as much splash as their offense is giving up. What what does that what does that say to you?
1: There's a lot to unpack there, and I haven't done my homework on all of it, uh, all of those events that you just mentioned. But I will say this it tells me that the Cowboys have a good offense and we all know it and they can put up points even against a decent defense. They can, but they are not a top offense. They're not a top five offense because of the turnovers. And I, I think at times they can be choked out a little bit if, if they don't have the advantage of a lead pressure starts to shift in these NFL games. We, we see that when the other team has scored a lot of points, it puts more pressure on you. And then that's, that's an, excellent chance for offenses that aren't in the top five to start making these turnovers or to get these three and outs so i think at a good tight game the cowboys can hold their own against anybody i really do but Dak prescott those interceptions are up and you're right it's kicking in on those advanced stats and it's indicating that this even though this is a good fluid offense it's not a top offense it just isn't they can do a lot of different things. They have good receivers. They have tight end. They have quarterbacks. They have running backs. They have a good offensive line. There's a lot of likes there, but it is not a top five offense, and I think that's why you're mentioning and we're seeing two different sides of the coin there in the statistics.
0: And just for, for the, again, the Cowboys fans who are, you know, pointed out the 43 victory on the Vikings to me a minute ago. And, and I know what they're saying now, a lot of these interceptions that Dak has thrown has been kind of fluky, right? We we've seen a lot of tip balls become intercepted. We've seen a lot of balls bounce off wide receiver's hands that have become intercepted. So this isn't a, a, a anti-Dak thing. This isn't a Dak is throwing too many, but the team has a lot of turnovers. The team is at for one reason or another, whether uh, the offensive line isn't pushing defensive linemen enough to prevent them from tipping passes at the line of scrimmage, whether the receivers aren't handling the ball well enough at the catch point to not tip it in the air and let a defender get it, and whether Dak or not is throwing balls into too tight of windows, making bad reads, whatever. All of those things are wrapped up in interceptions, and we get that. The fact of the matter is, there are a lot of interceptions and in a playoff game, all it takes is one bad bounce, right. To, to lose a game. And, and it's a matter of who's going to be consistent enough and, and who's going to take care of the football and, and do those little things. And, and that's what it comes down to.
1: That's a great point. I'll, I'll say this now. And, and I, unless you got more, I won't say anything else on that. The Cowboys, if, if everything's rolling, if they get an early lead by a touchdown or 10 points, and now the edge rushers can start to pin their ears back, it doesn't matter if Prescott throws an interception. They're gonna, the, the floodgates have already opened by that point. But if it's a really, really tight game where efficiency matters and where every single little mistake is magnified, that's where the inefficiency, those advanced stats, is going to kick in hard on the Cowboys because that one interception, that one fumble, whatever, it, it is going to kill them in a close, tight, hard fault kind of a game.
0: Absolutely. So, so let's look at these uh, playoff potential matchups here real quick for Dallas. Uh, They're, I mean, I guess there's still a world where they end up with the one seed, or or at least end up winning the division. If the Eagles lose uh, this upcoming week and and the Cowboys win the Cowboys win the division. and, And then I guess it gets into some tiebreakers. San Francisco were to lose and Dallas were to win all of that. But, let's just say for you know what we're expecting where we're at right now, Dallas is the five seed. Let's say they let's say they don't win the division. they're the five seed. They go play Tampa in the first round of the playoffs who have been bad this year. We're just gonna say it. they've been bad. They've made some nice comebacks. they they've won some games um here uh, against some bad teams. But it's still Tom Brady in the playoffs, man and and you're going to play Tom Brady and, and your whole thing is creating turnovers guy doesn't like to turn the ball over all that much. He doesn't let it happen too, too often. What would that matchup potentially look like, do you think?
1: Closer than it would have looked three or four weeks ago. And not so much because of Dallas, but because the Buccaneers are starting to get some of those offensive linemen back. Um, I I don't have the latest numbers up in front of me, and I I won't pull them up because things can change again before that matchup actually gets here. But if the Buccaneers can protect Brady more, and it hasn't been awful, but if they can protect him more, then all of a sudden things start to loosen up in that Dallas secondary. And, you know, Brady, if you've got a weakness, we'll find it. Now, if, if that offensive line is still all packed work and, and somebody came back and then they sit back out again by the time playoff times come here, uh, I think I think Dallas could smoke Tampa Bay. <laughs> so. Tampa Bay's got a chance to win now that they didn't have because they're getting a little bit healthier than they were all season long. And that matters for Brady. He doesn't like pressure. Uh, You know, no quarterback does, but Brady especially doesn't. Um, They got a chance, but there's also a very real chance that the Cowboys could just absolutely smoke the Buccaneers here. It could be 40-10 to in a heartbeat, in a flash. And I'm more inclined to think that that's what's going to happen, even if the Buccaneers are healthy. All things considered, the Buccaneers' offense is, has just not been good, even if they can pop the Dallas secondary for a couple of touchdowns. They can't run the ball. The Buccaneers have been awful at running the ball all year, and I don't even think against the Cowboys' defense that may be soft against the run, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be able to play ball control. And so then that leaves the, the other side of the football where the Cowboys, I think, can score. I know they can score off this Buccaneers' defense, which is a good defense. I just don't think Tampa Bay can keep up. So even help the uh, give me Dallas. Even in Tampa Bay, give me Dallas. Even against Tom Brady, give me Dallas. Uh, I, I think that's where it's going to sit for me. I give the Buccaneers a chance. Uh,
0: yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The the run the run game stuff, right? That's what I'm focused on to start. Can you attack this Cowboys defense by running the ball first? And, and the Buccaneers have not been able to do that this season. And then you kind of get into, okay, can you attack some of their other defensive backs? The Chris Godwin matchup on whoever the backup slot receiver for Dallas might be interesting, but I think he's actually been playing all right, too. I think it's the backup second outside cornerback. That's more been the issue. Um, So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think uh, while Tristan Wirfs being back is huge, I think Tom Brady will will probably end up facing too much pressure. And I don't think that defense, uh, especially with, for, for Tampa, the way they've been against the run this season, hot, cold as well, and, and just overall, I think Dallas would be able to do their thing. So now let's move on to the second round here. Um, if, we're, if we're assuming Dallas, let's say Dallas is the only wildcard team that doesn't make it, and they're going to end up, actually, you know what? We'll, we're going to talk about Philly in a second, so let's not talk about Philly-Dallas yet. Let's do, let's do Dallas-San Francisco, who we've both about, kind of been alluding to this whole time. If Dallas and San Francisco were to meet second round, or in the in, in the championship game here. What do you think that matchup would look like?
1: I think we both see this matchup coming at some point. Who who knows when? But I, I, I think this matchup is just gonna happen. I think it's a great game. Give me the 49ers to win it. They've they're stronger at so many positions than Dallas. Dallas is gonna have the edge rushing advantage, but not by a lot. <laughs> the forty 49ers- nine 49ers got Bosa hanging out there trying to pick up mm-hmm. the Defensive Player of the Year award, steal it from mm-hmm. Micah Parsons. So, mm-hmm. uh, as a group, I would say the Cowboys have the better edge rushing group, but uh, 49ers can get pressure. <laughs> They're not going to struggle Heck to do yeah. that. Heck yeah. And you can't run the ball against the 49ers. They have been far and away the entire year, not most of the year, the whole year, the best team against the run, and it's not even close. Uh, you can't run the ball on this team. I mean, you can try. You know, you can hand the ball off 30 times and maybe get to 100 yards, but your YPC is going to be in the dirt, literally. Like, it's going to be two and a half. I mean, you're not going to run the ball on this 49ers team. So that's going to limit it. That's going to start to put pressure on Prescott. And even though, listen, he can score late in the game if he needs to. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast. No doubt about it. But can't he do that the whole game when he can't run the football against the 49ers defense that plays linebackers, some of the best linebackers in football. And the secondary is pretty decent too. It's not a great secondary, but it's a solid secondary. They can hold their own in a lot of of situations. So to me, advantage 49ers, I think it's an interesting game. I think it's a close matchup. If by chance Dallas could somehow get a pick or two here, an interception or two, because they get pressure on Purdy maybe. But the 49ers are going to run the football a lot. Uh, we just said we didn't really think that the Buccaneers could do it against the Cowboys' defense. Well, the 49ers can and they're going to try. <laughs> right, they're going to run the ball on the first and second down, and then if they have to, throw it on third down. Uh, that's what they're going to do on this Cowboys' defense. No question about it. So I think it's a, I think it's the 49ers' game to lose. Uh, but, the, I mean, the Cowboys have a chance there. I would not I, I would not try to say that the Cowboys could not win that game, but to me that's, that's a great matchup for the 49ers, honestly.
0: It would be it would be a ton of fun. The the 49ers defensive line is one of the best in football. And the Cowboys offensive line is one of the best in football. And so, so those guys going at it would be great. And, and to see those linebackers against those running backs, San Fran to Dallas, would be great. The matchup that I think would be really interesting and what it would take for Dallas to win that game is something similar to what the Raiders just did to the 49ers where DeVonte Adams was just too much for any individual cornerback to take. Uh DeVonte had 7 catches for 153 yards and 2 touchdowns on the game. And it was just cuz he he was just doing what he always does. Get open quick, throw it to him quick and, and let him work, do it over and over again. Um the Cowboys have a guy who can do that in CD Lamb. So if he can have a big game, I think that would be the key. Uh I mean, we saw the 49ers still win despite giving that up. Now the Cowboys are much better than the Raiders, so more complete team, better defense. Um, so, so I think there's obviously a chance there. But I think if they're gonna do it, that's the first step. CeeDee Lamb has to go off defensively. Yeah, you you're gonna have to force turnovers, right? And, and Brock Purdy hasn't turned it over a lot, really. I mean, he's had one uh, interception in each of his last two games, but before that, not really. He he. Make some plays where you're like, oh, man, maybe don't do that against a great def- defense, but he's gotten away with it so far and you would expect the the reins to be a little tighter on him as you get into the postseason. Um, and then, yeah, knowing the matchup, you can run on this Cowboys team and, and the 49ers can certainly run the ball. So I think that would be a, a great, great one for sure. Anything else, uh, Dallas, San Francisco for you?
1: I could talk about that matchup all night, but I'll say this. The Cowboys have to flip the script early in that game. They they cannot get behind, let the 49ers run the football and throw a million screens to Samuel and McCaffrey. Then they're toast. They're going to lose by double digits. If they can stop the run early, maybe shut down a screen or two early, maybe force Purdy into third and longs or even an interception, get ahead by seven or ten points, then you let the edge rushers loose all over Brock Purdy. Now you got a chance, uh, but they're going to have to do that early. If if they wait until late in the game to pull that off, you know, the 49ers Nineers going to win by double digits.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's hit our last team of the night here: the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, current number one seed in the NFC. Uh, let's see their season so far: thirteen and three with key wins against the Cowboys, Packers, and Vikings. Key losses to the Commanders and you know the Cowboys. They obviously lost last week to the Saints, 20-10, to 10, but I think that was just kind of we've met our ceiling with Gardner Minshew, um, even though he was able to hang out in a in a back-and-forth fireworks game with Dallas two weeks ago before the loss happened. But this team started off 8-0, eight, eight and, oh, and they were 13-1 with Jalen Hurts before he got hurt, and now the injuries are starting to mount a little bit. You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and – Another defensive player, Robert Quinn, uh, were just designated to return off IR. So that means both guys should be good to go for the playoffs at some point, you hope. Um, But Lane Johnson is still currently out. Jalen Hurts' expectations are he's back for this uh, Week 18 game. He practiced uh, in a limited fashion here on Wednesday, January 4th. So we'll monitor that as the week goes. Um, But they're 0-2 with Hurts out and we don't know what he's going to be like after this injury, which doesn't sound like your just typical shoulder sprain. It sounds like something that could kind of be bothersome for him moving through the playoffs. Uh, What do you think about the Eagles and their season so far, both on the the positive end before all the injuries hit and then just kind of where they sit today? The the Eagles, when
1: healthy, I love. They are are dominant in a lot of weeks, and they are a legit – pound for pound Super Bowl heavyweight contender there's no question about it they've done better than I expected by far Uh, I thought they would be good but not this good Jalen Hurts has surpassed every expectation I've had of him I love what Hurts is doing I I did not think I I thought hey here's a guy who's a backup quarterback in the league and (laughs) he has proven me wrong on that he's fantastic Um, so I love what the Eagles can do when healthy they've got an excellent offensive line they Uh, They can run the football while not necessarily dominant. The blocking is so good and the running backs are so patient. It's a very effective uh, running game that they have. And then, of course, you got Jalen Hurts who can beat you 60 yards downfield or he can beat you with a soft touch over the linebackers or he can beat you with his feet uh, when he's healthy. And then the defense – they they believe in defensive linemen. You can't walk into that locker room without bumping into an all uh, not an all pro a, a Pro Bowl defensive lineman. Uh, they're everywhere. They're falling out of the trees. They're thinking about releasing them. You know, like they're all over the place. Excellent defensive line. Uh, good good linebackers. Uh, good uh, good secondary. So hey, they're loaded, uh, but they're not healthy. And we mentioned that. We we talked about how especially that offensive line had a lot of guys who had age and injury concerns. And they've they've been healthy most of the year. But Lane Johnson still got the injury going on. I, I, you know, I'm not quite up to date on where that is. But again, if he's back, may not be full, full speed. The biggest thing they got going on, though, is Jalen Hurts. We saw them come off their bye week and have two rusty weeks. Uh, that was not good for them. So when you give them Hurts, if he's not 100%, and then you give them, let's say they get the one seed, and they all all of a sudden have, another week that they're not playing, that seems to bother them. They seem to be a momentum kind of a team. So I, I do wonder what that's going to do to them. I think that Hurts injury is the biggest thing that they're facing, although the other things are, are very significant. Uh, they are not quite the team that we saw r- earlier in the season.
0: All very well said. Let's look at some of the, the strengths and weaknesses here. It's a lot of strengths. Uh, I'll, I'll say that to start. Uh Second in yards per game, eighth in passing yards per game, fifth in rushing yards per game, third in points per game, first in yards allowed per game, first in passing yards allowed per game, eighth in points per game allowed, second in DVOA, third in offensive DVOA, fifth in defensive DVOA, sixth in pass defense DVOA, first in rush defense DVOA, first in pass defense DVOA. Uh so, oh, and that that other one was six in passing DVOA and their first and pass defense DVOA. So they're just really good. They're pretty much amazing at everything. Uh, running the ball, passing the ball, defending the pass, great. Um, here are the not as good. It's not terrible, but not as good, and this is the one weakness of the team. You can run on them a bit. 18th in rushing yards allowed per game, 20th in rush defense DVOA. Um Positive or negative, take either side. Where where do you want to start this thing?
1: Hey, let's talk about that run defense. Uh, Jordan Davis helps, right? But even when he's in there, they're not dominant against the run. They're not the worst in the league, but they're in the lower third. <laughs> That's about where they sit. They're they're at the uh, upper end of the lower third. So you can run the football on this team. Now, before we get into matchups, I won't get there, but if, if you've got a team that can run the football, and, and there are a couple teams that can do that, that gives you some real hope against this Eagles team. Um, you would like to keep that Eagles offense off the field, is what you would like to do. They got a good defense. We we mentioned it, but you would like to keep that Eagles offense off the field. It kind of again, they seem to be a very energetic, momentum based team. And so, if you can catch them when Hurts isn't healthy, and when you can catch them when not everybody else is healthy, and when you catch them when they've had a week off. Um, that gives you a chance if you can run the football on this team, and we've already seen them give up a few points a few weeks ago to to the Cowboys. So we know it can be done. Uh, it certainly gives you some hope there if you're if you're oppo- opposing teams.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I was trying to dig in, and, and I'm going to look into this a little bit more um, as to why that's the case. Now, Jordan Davis ha- has definitely been a factor. He was playing thirty to forty percent of the snaps early in the year. He was out a couple weeks. He hasn't really eclipsed more than 25% of the snaps since then. So that's definitely a factor. This team is definitely built for the pass rush, right? So even, even the defensive linemen they have, they're not necessarily the most stout against the run, but I think, and, and again, this is, this is very surface level stuff here. They don't have huge linebackers either. I mean, uh, you know, they, it, Kaiser White is a former safety. He's like 6'2, 215. Uh TJ Edwards, I believe, is like 6'1, 230. Um, Hassan Reddick is wait, Hassan Reddick, Hassan Haskins. I always get them mixed up. Reddick, Reddick. Uh is he he's you know six two, two thirty-five in his own right. Kind of he's kind of the outside backer. Um, so it's still not it, it's not this big physical group right they're they're built around speed they're built around flying around uh and especially you know i mentioned some of the past defensive numbers they're they're flying to the ball at all times right uh and it's just it's speed 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 read and react read and react read and react. it's not so much the downhill in your face stuff you in a locker kind of deal um now that's you know kind of if that's your game plan, then I guess, Hey, see what happens. We're going to talk in a minute about 49ers, Cowboys, two good run uh, two good running teams. That might be a tough matchup, especially if the offense isn't quite at this number one, number two level that, that I've highlighted, you know, depending on how Hertz is after his injury. We'll see. We'll learn a lot about this team. I think next week with, with, if Hertz plays and what he looks like without Lane Johnson on the offensive line, but If this offense is sputtering a little bit, this run defense could get exposed in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'll say this. There are very few times in life where you can, in any sport or in any industry, where you can shut down and stop everything. You kind of have to make your choices. And you mentioned that the Eagles and their team-building philosophy, especially on defense, they have chosen to kind of play this erratic style that can do a lot of different things, it's very fluid, but you're not going to be able to always stop everything, and that soft underneath section is what they're giving up. So they've decided to kind of have a linebacker, a back seven, a secondary that can be malleable against the pass, and they've decided to have defensive linemen who aren't horrible against the run, but whose best ability is getting to the quarterback across the board, and you're seeing that with their high sack totals, but you also realize it is possible to run the football on this team.
0: Absolutely. Now, now let let's get back to the positives a little bit. I felt like we went straight for the negative there. Um, as mentioned, this team gets a lot of takeaways. They're they're tied for second in interceptions with seventeen. They're tied or they're second in turnover differential at plus nine. So they take care of the ball very very well and they create turnovers for sure. Um, just an elite offense with Jalen Hurts in there. And and I said it before the season, you could see the makings. He has a good deep ball. They have playmakers. He's a fantastic runner. If they can find a way to utilize the middle of the field and change this offense, right? Not even change it, but just add to it, make it more diverse. This could be a very good offense. And when you trade for AJ Brown, who is maybe a top three receiver in terms of utilizing the middle of the field. And Oh, by the way, he's also a great, deep ball, jump ball, contested catch guy. Um, this offense has just exploded. And, and Hurts is doing things from a read and react and anticipating standpoint that we did not see him do last season. We did not see him do in college. Um, he just gets better as a passer every single year. And, and this is an elite, elite offense, a top one, two, three offense at worst. Um, So even with that run defense, if if Hertz is still 80 percent, 90 percent of this regular season 13 and one Hertz that we saw, this team is very much still in Super Bowl contention. No, no, no doubt about it.
1: Totally agree. And I'll say this, our efforts earlier to find something negative about this team, I think I'll speak for myself and you'll probably confirm, come from the idea of we know this team is just really freaking awesome and we're trying to figure out some way to beat them. Okay, I love what this team can do and has done. And if they're any kind of healthy, you mentioned the 80% for Hurts. If they're any kind of healthy, they are still a legit Super Bowl contender across the board. No doubt about it. Love what they present. That offense is a weird offense to guard, too, uh, with, the way they, with the way they've designed it, with the way Hurts plays. It's a little bit of a wonky offense. It's not your normal stuff. And you got AJ Brown coming through the middle of the of the defense, uh, you know, ten to fifteen yards, punching you in the mouth. And then here comes Sanders running the football with some excellent blocking. They block good all across the board against the run uh, in in run offense. Uh, love what they present.
0: And I'll I'll say this early on in that Dallas in the second Dallas matchup with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, there was a play early in the game. It was either the Eagles' first drive or the second. Where Gardner scrambles out of the pocket and he starts going to right and he's maybe eight or nine yards from the end zone and he looks over his shoulder and there's Mike Parsons coming down at him and he runs out of bounds and I think they kicked a field goal on that drive. Hurts scoring a touchdown on that one, so it, right. it just right. it takes you to a whole another level from where this team has been at the last you know two weeks. Um,
1: it does, and I, I real quick, sorry, that flips the script right there. That takes it from being the Cowboys thinking, oh, we should beat Minshew because it's Minshew and we can score points here. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, we have to score on every possession because Hertz is going to. If we don't sack him or intercept him, he's going to score on every single possession.
0: All right, so with all that nice, mushy stuff said that we just did on the Eagles, let's look at some potential matchups that we could have for them. Um, Again, assuming they end up with a one seed they get the first round by they play whoever the lowest seed is in the second round right so we're for now we're kind of assuming it's not the giants and if it was I don't think we have really any faith in the giants to do anything um but Dallas how would Philly Dallas match up in round 3 this season with let's say a, let's say a banged up Jalen Hurts but still in that like 80 to 90% range if not 100% um but let's say potentially no Lane Johnson, or at least a a, a hobble Lane Johnson.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm interested to see what you say, especially if you have any advanced stats on this. But I'll take the Eagles. I think that the Eagles are a very bad matchup for the Cowboys. And, and I know what we saw two or three weeks ago. I get it. That was a heck of a football game. But it was in Dallas. They were up for that game. They were going against Gardner Minshew. They really believed that they could, ride—not maybe not ride on Minshew, but get to Minshew and win that game. You could tell that they just totally believed and knew that. And I'm not sure if you put this game in Philly and you have Jalen Hurts sitting over there, they believe that same way. I mean, that matters. But now let's get to, if, if I'm Philly and I'm playing the Cowboys, what's their number one thing that I'm worried about? What's that pass rush? Well, I've got answers for that pass rush. I've got even minus Lane Johnson. I've got one of the best offensive lines in football. Even if I can't stop that edge rush, I know I can slow it down. You know, maybe not on third and twelve, but on all the other downs, I can slow it down. And even if somebody breaks through and they will, Parsons will get through. Jalen Hurts can just go outside the pocket in either direction. He can pick up a first down with his feet, or he can throw it. So if he's sitting around 85-90%, then I still like my chances. And then you you reverse it, obviously, with the Eagles on defense, got that heck of a defensive line. Can can the Cowboys, would they commit to trying to run the football and then play action in the thing off of that and and continue to score points? That might be their best bet, trying to play a little bit more of a low-scoring game. But now you're back into the efficiency matters. Um, Don't make a mistake. And and can Prescott play a complete game without throwing that one pick? Uh, Everywhere I turn, I think advantage Eagles in this game. And that's not to say the Cowboys can't win. They could. It could be a fun game. The Cowboys could win. Everywhere I look at it, though, to me, I think advantage Eagles without getting too deep in on this yet, which we can. But that's kind of where I'm at as a starting point.
0: Yeah, so with the Cowboys going against this Eagles team, it's different from the Cowboys uh, in the 49ers matchup where we said it would be about C.D. Lamb going off, right? This would be... The Cowboys run game just uh, obliterates, right? Goes for 200 yards, keeps Jalen Hurts in the offense off yes. the field. That, that's where it would have to start. And you just wonder if, and, and, you know, this isn't necessarily in the advanced stats, but this might just be me galaxy braining myself a little bit, but the things that the cow, Cal- think about the things the Cowboys are good at in their run game, right? And, and when it's really succeeded this year, it's been a 50 50 split, Tony Pollard to Ezekiel Elliott, right? It's been Pollard with yes. speed on the outside. And then it's been Elliott short, short down and distance, goal line carries, and you know running between the tackles. That when, when they're split 50 50 is when it's been its most efficient, when it's been its best. But the thing that at least right now we're hypothesizing, or at least I am, I won't speak for you, on why this Eagles defense isn't great against the run is because they're a defense built for speed and built for not power, right? So in my galaxy braining, could they eliminate the Pollard stuff because Kaiser White and TJ Edwards are – running sideline to sideline and and running between uh, these offensive linemen with their speed and, and busting stuff up, allowing these defensive linemen who aren't pluggers, but also very athletic to kind of chase behind and make a play. And, and then you're relying on Ezekiel Elliott more. And when the Cowboys do that, they're not quite as successful, right? So, so that's the one thing I'm kind of thinking of where if this run game, if the Cowboys offense is going to keep up in a shootout, it's going to be through the ground. Now, when they played the other week, week 16, and again, this was with, with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, but it took 40 points uh, for the Cowboys to win that game, right? Um, let me pull up the rushing total that they had in that one. Oh, my God. They only had 87 rushing yards. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. It did not feel that way. Um but in it, still, I, I still think that's what's going to have to take in a playoff game. But it is interesting that they really did not need that. What did they do through the air? Three hundred and fifty-five yards through the air. They ended up with four touchdowns. I think they had a cup one, at least one turnover. Yeah, they forced one turnover um, in that one. Uh, they had multiple turnovers. So, gosh, it's so weird. It could be such a shootout. But I think it would start on the ground. Can they at least get things going? to open stuff up for Dak Prescott, open stuff up for those receivers where they're not going to turn the ball over too many times. But I think Philly's great pass defense would be very likely to force a turnover or at least force a lot of tight windows for Dak Prescott. And then on the other side, this Philly rushing attack, I do think is just too strong. I think Jalen Hurts, as long as he's at least at that 80% mark from, from a health perspective, he's going to be able to neutralize that pass rush. Because let's say let's say Lane Johnson is out, and, and you're you're saying oh, I'm going to put Michael Parsons over Jack Driscoll over there at right tackle. Jack Driscoll is a is a veteran. He, he's decent, but he's not going to be able to keep up. No, no well, I, I you know then you, yeah, like you said, you just run left. <laughs> you know you're oh. you're good to go. Um, I think it's actually, in in maybe a weird way, you're neutralized you're. You're not getting the best out of what you would get because if you had Lane Johnson over there at right tackle, you would put Michael Parsons over there on the left side and Jordan Milata is blind side. And Jordan Milata is very good, but against speedy pass rushers, that's his excuse me, weak spot. That's his weak spot. So you would almost be taking an advantage away from Philly by saying, okay, from your left side, we're going to attack you with speed and we can load up this right side. And yeah, you're going to scramble right in your right-handed passer, but your blind side, if you think you're going to turn around, if DeMarcus Lawrence or or we send somebody, you know, send one of the DBs at you, send a linebacker at you, and you want to roll out and escape to the left. And now Mike Parsons is beating your also very good left tackle because he's got the speed that could be tough as well. So I think, you know, that that's really their only shot. And then you yeah, had to try and force a turnover, but Unlike some of these other teams in the NFC, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts in particular just don't turn the ball over. So he's going to read everything Trayvon Diggs is doing. He's going to know exactly what he wants. We've seen Diggs get you know really beat a couple times real bad here at the towards the end of the season on some plays where the opposing quarterback knew exactly what Diggs was going to try and do, what routes he was going to try to jump, um, and that could really cost Dallas. But at the same time, they would I think they would need that. They would need to get a couple turnovers. To, to win a game against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. So I'd have the Eagles in this one. There's definitely a route for Dallas, but I, I think uh, Philly would definitely have the advantage for sure.
1: Yeah, agreed. I, I, advantage Philly, but the Cowboys could win this game, and it could be another wild shootout kind of affair. And when that when that starts to happen, all bets are off, right? Uh, anything can happen at that point.
0: I feel like I need to watch that last one again. Even though with Gardner Minshew, you're just like, what am I going to learn from that? But now I'm just like, Now I'm fascinated. Let's move on to San Francisco here because I think this is potentially – this is kind of what we've been talking about for a while here in terms of what we'd like as an NFC championship game. What do you have 49ers-Eagles?
1: I think this one is tight, and I've been debating with myself where I would go with this. I think at the moment, knowing what I know about the Eagles being a little banged up, I think I would pick the 49ers in this matchup. Um, and I don't feel great about that. I think this is a close, tight one. I think it's kind of a messy, I, messy kind of a game. You've got that weird kind of a wonky Eagles offense led by what, 80%, 90% Jalen Hurts? Maybe missing Lane Johnson, maybe not. Maybe missing a defensive starter too, maybe not. Going up against a 49ers team that is just insane on defense and pretty good on offense, but they've got a, they've got a young guy back there named Brock Purdy so uh, i I think it would just be a crazy meshing of two styles, and I think I like the 49ers to come up, come out by a hair um but I, I, again, so much of it depends on hurts. You know if he's playing at 65 percent I think the 49ers could just plow at the Eagles, but if he's up there close to hundred percent I, I he may go off and score 40 on this 49ers defense. It's unlikely, but there's so much that could happen here. I think it really depends on hurts and without the diving too deep into the matchups yet, which we will. I think I favored the 49ers by a hair in that game.
0: The thing I wonder about with Brock Purdy in this matchup is he hasn't played a defense like this yet. So, so here are the games he's played this season. He has his four starts against the Raiders, the commanders, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, and and that fifth game that he came in in the first quarter against the Dolphins. The commanders are the best defense that he's played in those ones. Right. Um, he went 15 to 22 234 yards, two touchdowns a pick, took three sacks. That was the most sacks he's taken since that Dolphins game. Um the only games that he's had he's taken multiple sacks in. Um and this is a much better defense than the Commanders. So can that pass rush really get after him um and force a couple of those mistakes even if he's only throwing the ball, you know, 20 25 times a game because yeah, they're going to end up running it. And so similar to Dallas, it would start with the run game, right? Can they can they make that the focal point? And McCaffrey can do so many things, run so many different ways. And then you could get really crazy and run, run Debo back there, run Kittle back there. Run, you know, you can do so much out of that. That's what we've been talking about with the 49ers since the McCaffrey trade. But I think I just, you know, Brock Purdy, man, I, going against that Philadelphia defense, I I'm not saying he's he he's a fraud, he's gotten lucky, and any of that. Brock Purdy is good. Brock Purdy is the new Taylor Heineke and it's and it's great. Um he can win bad matchups, he can hang in good matchups, but when push comes to shove, the end of January, the beginning of February, however this works out, playing in Philadelphia, and I don't want to say the 49ers can't play in the snow, because didn't they just be They beat the Packers that year. They went to the Super Bowl, right, in Green Bay to get there. Um, Actually, I don't know if that was in Green Bay. Now that I think about it. Anyways, this pass defense in Philly, man, is just so, so good. And and I don't think, especially if you get to them at this point, you can't just use the run game, right? So for Dallas, it would be the run game to set up the pass, Um, being able to rely on the run early to create room for Dak to set up the pass. All right, let's say you do that in San Francisco first quarter. Let's say you go up... 10-7 10 to seven in the first quarter and it's behind 80 yards on the ground from McCaffrey. He gets one big run. You kind of, you know, Brock Purdy just throws a couple first downs and, and, and you're doing well. Now you've opened things up for for Brock Purdy. You're gonna open things up for Brock Purdy against the Eagles defense in the NFC championship game <laughs> potentially. You know, that just doesn't sit. That just doesn't sit with me. And there's so much to like about this 49ers team, how multiple their offense is, um, how stellar this defense is. Excuse me, but it it just feels like this is where that limit is going to hit. And, you know, we thought that about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he went to one Super Bowl and almost went to another, and, you know, maybe that's where we're at again this year. NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy comes up against one of the best defenses in the league, might be a little too tough to handle.
1: I think it's tight, no matter, no matter what matchup you want to bring out. I think it's tight. I think there's going to be two heavyweights punching each other the whole game. If it gets into a shootout, and, and again, if Hertz is anywhere near close to 100%, if he's 90 95%, give me the Eagles. I don't think the 49ers win in a shootout. I think they can say whatever they want to say pretty, uh, publicly about supporting Purdy. But behind closed doors, they're hoping he doesn't have to make too many big plays and throw the football too much. Okay? <laughs> if the 49ers can keep this tight, grind it out, run the football, you mentioned the multiple offense. You mentioned McCaffrey. You mentioned Debo Samuels. You mentioned Kittle. If they can kind of keep mixing things up, hit a, hit a seam route or two, get, catch McCaffrey on a bad matchup with a linebacker, you know, if they can keep doing those kinds of things, the 49ers win this matchup. But if it's a high-scoring affair, uh, forget about it. I think the Eagles can, uh, can run away with this, even with a good 49ers defense. Uh, the Eagles, I think this – I don't think the Eagles have to run the football to win this game. I think they have so many other things they can do with Hurts. They don't even have to try. They will. They'll sure try, but they don't have to. They can get in the shootout. They can win this game just with Hurts passing for 350 yards. It is not a great secondary for the 49ers. It's a solid secondary. Play smart, but it's not a great secondary. The linebackers are, are nasty, no question about it. Pass coverage and, and help out and run support, but it is not a great secondary. And, and if Hurts is healthy, and can turn this into a shootout, give me the Eagles. But if it's a grinded-out game where Hertz is kind of struggling in the cold, he can't seem to get loosened up, then give me the 49ers.
0: The secondary of San Francisco is such a great point, and, and I think about two key games fairly recently for San Francisco. I already mentioned the Raiders and Devontae Adams and what that just pure one-on-one matchup was like, right? And, and A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith can, can do that same thing to this 49ers backfield. And then I go a few weeks further and I think about the dolphins matchup, right. Where it was clear from the jump, this 49ers defense had an excellent game plan where they were press man coverage, Hill and and waddle knocking them off the line, just getting that extra half second for that pass rush to try to get home to Tua. And the difference here is, okay, let's say you're going to use that same game plan and you're you're like, okay, we need to help our pass rush a little bit. Let's try to knock these guys off the line, and and let's get to Jalen Hurts. Well, here's what's hard about that. Tyreek Hill is 5'11", 210 pounds. Jalen Waddle is 5'10", 190 pounds. A.J. Brown is 6'3", 240 pounds. You're not pressing that man at the line of scrimmage. You might press Devonta Smith. You're not pressing AJ Brown at the line of scrimmage. And even if you do, let's say you manage to get that extra half second, you're not going against that Dolphins offensive line, which is much better than I anticipated. I will give them that. It that that experiment with, you know, Connor Williams at center and you know Taryn Armstead has been healthier than expected. That has all worked out better than I thought. But that's still not this Eagles offensive line. So you get that extra half second just to run into Jordan Milata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey. Isaac Siamalu, even Jack Driscoll, it's not going to be the same effect that it was against Miami. So I think even with all the game planning San Fran can do, those those defensive backs, I think they're just going to be outmatched. So yeah, whether it's Hurts passing for 350 yards, if it's San Fran has sold out for the pass and now Hertz is just running around on them. Um, because the only linebacker that has a chance to spy Jalen Hurts is Fred Warner, who's obviously the linebacker for the 49ers. He ain't doing it though. It's not it not enough to shut him down or anything like that he might get one right. or two good good reps in but uh he's not going to stop hurts from really scrambling so i just think whatever corner you kind of turn and it doesn't mean yeah the eagles aren't going to blow him out or anything i don't expect but i think whatever corner you turn i think the eagles are just going to have that that advantage at, at every little piece that you need um so i i I basically have the Eagles as yeah my my number one contender to come out of the NFC. Of course, it all does depend on health, right? If Lane Johnson doesn't come back at all in the playoffs, which I don't think is going to be the case, I think he'll play at some point soon. Um, if Hertz is is not quite where we think he is, then you know you you can get into all sorts of conversations. But I think if this team is mostly healthy, um, they're they're the favorites and they're the team I expect to be in the Super Bowl.
1: I, I'm with you here, and I you know again, you and I don't mind disagreeing with each other, but. We're agreeing here. If the Eagles are healthy, they're the team to beat. No question about it in the NFC. If they're anywhere near healthy, you can take away one guy. That's okay. As long as that guy doesn't hurt. If they're anywhere near healthy, they are the team to beat. Everybody else has something bigger to worry about than the Eagles do. All
0: right, Ben, we did it. Anything else on the NFC? East? I almost didn't say East. I almost got us into a lot of trouble.
1: (laughs) I could talk about this all night, but uh, I, I think we're at a great stopping point. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
0: Ben, thank you so much. Again, guys, if you like this conversation, if you like hearing from Ben, like I, I love to have him on the podcast and that's and why we do it. Go listen to the Phantom Football Podcast. Go listen to Odds on Favorite. Uh, there's never enough football talk. So uh, for Ben and for myself, thank you so much to everybody for listening. Have fun and be safe out there.